0: Time ago an american airplane dropped one bomb on
1: Hiroshima it's been been leader. mr gorbachev tear down this the american people i think is good people they are they have not to charge with the guilty welcome back to the
0: cold war episode 206.
1: I just got that. Okay. Mm. All right. So so for this episode, all energies will be matched. You fucking come at me, I'm going to fucking come at you, which is kind of what uh China was saying to Korea, but I was saying that to Cam. Uh, but but it holds. The point is I think we're all feeling, feeling this way at this point. Anyway, how are you doing, Cam?
0: Um hot. Yeah, hot you are. Mm. Nice if you're with the lady, but not nice when you're in the jungle. How are you?
1: <laughs> cold uh, and dry. Cold, cold and dry. Cold and dry. Yeah, yeah there's ice on my uh, shoes. So anyway,
0: where were we? Uh, at, at the end of our last episode, uh, <laughs> the Chinese attack uh, in the later stage of November happened mm-hmm. um, in in full forces. MacArthur, after Thanksgiving dinner, decided just to send his troops uh, up to the north, up to the Yalu, one more time, He just to see if he could piss check off the out. Chinese one just more time, right. and he definitely succeeded. They right. came back. Like, Think about it. He flew up there. Right. Saw nothing, said there's nothing yeah. going on. Yeah. Why send his troops up there? He already flew over it. There was nothing going on. Why send his troops back up there if it wasn't to just piss off the Chinese. Yes.
1: He sent his troops because he believed there was nothing up there. Opportunity. Opportunity.
0: But, of course, um, as I said at the end of the last episode, in the first few days of the Chinese offensive, the 8th Army, the U.S. 8th Army, uh, being attacked by the Chinese 8th Army, but this is the U.S. 8th Army had – Eleven thousand dead, wounded, and missing. Lost a shit ton of equipment and supplies. Yes. But MacArthur never admitted that he had made a mistake. One mm. of the first w- rules of being a psychopath uh, <laughs> or a narcissist, right, is you never admit never, that ever. you made a mistake or that you're wrong. Yeah. Right. Um, yes. That's how you know. When people ask me, well, do you think Julius Caesar was a psychopath? Do you think Napoleon was a psychopath? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, Stalin, all these guys, the mm. first thing I look for is some sort of evidence that they, they, they admitted mistakes. Right. If they ever admitted mistakes, they're probably not psychopaths because psychopaths just don't admit mistakes mm-hmm. I um, very often, right. particularly narcissists in particular won't. Right. Right. Um, so anyway, um, MacArthur never admitted. He said that his plans had been betrayed by sources in Washington. He's betrayed. What do you think he? What do you think he meant by sources in Washington, Ray? Who um, betrayed him?
1: Uh, they betrayed him by not letting him do exactly what he wanted to do at every fucking second of every day. Would be my guess.
0: No, I don't think that's who he's talking about. I think he's talking about different sources in Washington, aka the Cambridge Five. Is oh, who he's talking he,
1: about. Oh, they're, they're getting information back to the enemy, who know yes. the cards that I'm holding, kind of thing.
0: He later, when he later finds out about Philby and Maclean and right. uh, these guys, he says, oh, well, of course,
1: of course, they were
0: telling Moscow. It Moscow makes sense. was telling Beijing. It Beijing knew what I was doing.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah." Bullshit.
0: And while we have no doubt that they were sending information to Moscow, whether yeah. or not it got to the Chinese and how much it mattered, isn't fashion. really clear. Right. The American operations were obvious, loud, and arrogant. You didn't have to have spies <laughs> to tell you <laughs> the where the Americans were, were or Hi, what we're here. they were doing. Yeah. Hi. The yeah. Ch- the Chinese yeah. were going to defend their border and defend their allies, uh, regardless of what the spies told them. Now it may have helped them. Like maybe I th- one of the reasons they pulled back when uh, MacArthur was sending Stratemire up to bomb things where well, he planned on doing right. it um, was you know maybe the Chinese got advance warning of that and pulled back because they didn't want to get bombed. But then yeah. the bombings got cancelled. Um, we don't really know, but what we do know is that meanwhile, the US were thinking about when and where to use the bomb.
1: Oh my god! All right,
0: on the 20th of November, General Collins authorized a study of the use of nuclear weapons against targets in Korea, Manchuria, and China. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus, he basically said that in in the event of a full-scale war, uh, nuclear weapons might be a useful tool to buy MacArthur some time to either evacuate or to, you know, regroup and attack. On the 28th of November, the Joint Chiefs authorised another study, a top-secret study on the deployment of the nuclear bombs uh, in the event of Soviet intervention. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in the, their words, to discourage such intervention and or to assist in the evacuation of UN forces from Korea. Right. They also wanted comments from the uh, people doing the report on the use of atomic and conventional bombs against China with or without previous ultimatum. Oh. So sneak attacks like right. they did on Japan.
1: It's okay when we do it. It's yeah. A, it's a, just wanted that clear, yeah.
0: Um, so we'll talk more about the the use of the bomb or the threatened use of the bomb later on. But I mentioned in the last episode that in the first week of November, mm-hmm. <clears throat> US presidential elections were going on. And, right. and, and and you know, we've talked about this many times in the past. And I think it's something to – a lot of the history books on this don't mention or skirt right. over, but it's really important, I think, to bring it back. What do we say? All politics are domestic. Yes. And, uh, you know, the the – Truman um, is having to portray himself as a tough president. We know right. that the Republicans uh, and the and business community mm-hmm. in general hated FDR. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about this at extreme length, and this all ties in together. The New Deal, the business leadership hated the New Deal. Right. The, the Christian churches
1: hated oh, the yes. New
0: Deal, uh, the the sort of evangelical ones that were starting to really emerge uh, at this point. Um, the, you know, they were criticising, the GOP had criticised Roosevelt for being weak with Stalin at mm-hmm. uh, the Yalta conference. Right. They were criticising Truman on being soft on communism, basically just accusing the Democrats of being right. soft on the Soviets soft on communism, soft on works. the Chinese, soft, soft, soft. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, that was their rhetoric. And Truman's obviously, as we know, always been trying to position himself as a hard man, a tough man. Yeah. He's like Jason Statham in uh, The Wrath <laughs> of Man, the new the- uh, Guy Ritchie film.
1: <laughs> the toughest haberdasherist you've ever met.
0: Yeah. He started, talk- started talking like this. <laughs> right. You know?
1: Yeah.
0: What is uh, I saw um <coughs> fucking uh, that American comedian actor uh come remember his name, great impersonator, mm-hmm. he was saying that the way to do a Jason Statham impersonation is you say, um you have to say, uh, No do you know what I mean, but in as one word, no I mean <laughs> you say, no I me. Mean. If you get that it right, you talk taller like Jason Statham, no I mean. Truman that works, was criticized. Does it? I'm saying all right. sounding more like uh, Michael LeCain there. <laughs> Truman <laughs> chairman was criticized by the Republicans for mishandling of MacArthur at Wake Island. Oh, I
1: mean.
0: man. <laughs> no, I mean. No, I mean.
1: But it is um, all connected. Yes.
0: Yeah. So the U.S. presidential, presidential elections were uh, taking place on the 7th of November. The Democrats lost 28 seats mm-hmm. in the House. And five seats in the Senate. Mm. And Truman had been criticised by the Republicans for his mishandling of MacArthur at Wake Island. They claimed he was going to support China's entrance to the UN. Right. Cheers. Um, after the election. Mm-hmm. Not true. Well, he didn't in the long run. But right. Truman was worried. And he'd also just survived an assassination attempt on the 1st of November oh. 1950. Tell You ever me. heard about this? No. Your fucking, social studies. Fucking tell me now. He survived two assassination attempts. Oh, my goodness. This was the second right? of the two that he survived. Tell me. Uh, November 1st, 1952, Puerto Rican pro-independence activists, uh, Oscar Colazzo and Griselio Torresola. Right. Uh tried to storm the house where Truman was staying at the time, a place called Blair House. Yeah. White House was being renovated. Right. Uh, and yeah. he was residing at Blair House. They tried to storm it to assassinate no, him. No, no. Both men were completely useless, had never <laughs> fired a gun before, didn't know how to load a gun. Seriously, like <laughs> the first one tried to shoot. There was cops guarding the house. One of them tried to shoot a cop, didn't even have a chamber loaded oh, in his gun when he pulled the trigger.
1: God, um, Alan Costello. Yeah.
0: They were both stopped. Uh, Torresola was uh, killed by a cop. Uh, Colazzo was shot several times but survived, was sentenced to death, but it was commuted to life by Truman. And then Jimmy Carter later let him out on time served in the late 70s. This was the second assassination attempt, though, on Truman. The first took the form of a letter bomb in Mm -hmm. 1947 sent by... Zionist terrorists known right. as Lehigh, most commonly known in the West as the Stern Gang S-T-E-R-N mm. after Avraham Stern who's the founder of the organization mm-hmm. they uh, sent letter bombs to the President and uh, staff members at the, the White House but they were discovered in the mail room right. um, deactivated by the Secret Service Lehi, this terrorist organisation, you remember when we did our Israel series, we talked about Ergun, Mm -hmm. that was a terrorist organisation and became a political party, still around today. Yes. Lehi was sort of a spin-off of that, uh, you know, to go out and literally, according to their own... Uh, Manifesto was a terrorist organization. Mm. They admitted to carrying out terrorist attacks. That's exactly what they were designed to do. Their aim was to kick the British out of uh, Palestine. Gotcha. And allow unrestricted immigration of Jews in the formation of a Jewish state and to create, quote, a new totalitarian Hebrew republic.
1: Okay. And killing the president Uh, will get you that?
0: I didn't know. Yeah, well, he was he was supporting uh, you know the British and British right. control of Palestine, so they wanted die. to um, of him. <laughs> uh, they uh, they ended up assassinating Folke Bernadotte, right? Who was the United Nations Security Council mediator in the um, Israeli Arab Palestine conflict in 1948? He was of the House of Bernadotte. Swedish right. House of Bernadotte uh, created by one of Napoleon's marshals, Marshal Bernadotte, mm-hmm. who Napoleon sent to Sweden, ended up uh, betraying Napoleon, well, sided was- with his allies right. and uh, established himself as a king. Nice. And, uh, still the ruling uh, royal family of Sweden to Be- this very day. Beach real work. The Bernadottes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, After the assassination of Bernadotte in uh, 1948, the new Israeli government declared Lehi a terrorist organization, arrested 200 of their members, Mm -hmm. convicted some of their leaders, but um, after the first Israeli elections in 1949, there was a general amnesty for Lehi members. Right. In 1980, uh, Israel created a military decoration called the lehi ribbon it's an award for activity in the struggle for the establishment of israel and former lehi leader itzhak Shamir became the prime minister of israel in 1983
1: right so they made a an award Based off For a, of a terrorist organization
0: and then made one of their leaders prime minister. I, I was trying
1: there to was figure out a subtle way to put it.
0: Yeah, go ahead. There was also an attack on Congress March 1st, 1954, by four Puerto Rican nationalists right. who shot five representatives oh. in the Capitol building. Oh,
1: my God.
0: Something that uh, the, the Trump supporters tried to reenact yeah. a year ago. They uh, did
1: better than January 6th. So good for them. Uh, and I kept thinking,
0: Chrissy and I just went to see Steven Spielberg's remake of West Side Story. Don't remember that. Saw the play, saw the musical version of it on stage last year. Right. You've seen the original Bernstein version. No uh, no mention oh. of Puerto Ricans trying to assassinate people in Congress too, <laughs> or kill the president. Too busy dancing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just- yeah, too busy Although that wasn't, that was the Jets. I don't not know. the Sharks. But it's, anyway, it's been you know too what long. I mean. Yeah. It's been too long. Yeah. Anyway. Here come the Jets like a bad out of hell. Someone gets in our way. Someone don't feel so well uh, when you're a Jet. See, you but when you
1: stay have you sing single threat to me. Jet. It, it yeah, I know. It takes it's, the sting out of it. Yeah. I'm going to kill yeah. you. Give me your money. You know, see, no, no. <laughs>
0: anyway, where were we? Anyway, yeah. I do uh, recommend the Spielberg version. It's good, not not, yeah. as, not not as innovative as I thought it was really going to be, but it's, it's, it's nicely done. Chrissy loved it. She's a big West Side Story fan. Gotcha. Um, 28th of November, MacArthur was calling the Chinese action outright and naked aggression. Mm. And saying that this was an entirely new war. Now, from the Chinese perspective, I think they were defending their border <laughs> and their allies from naked US aggression.
1: Mm. Yeah, they're like, um uh no. Sorry. Mm.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, Who's who's, <laughs> who's aggressive here? Who, who's, who's aggressive? Who stormed whose border? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who got violated? Anyway.
0: Mm. Dougie said that his high hopes of ending the war by Christmas had been shattered by the Chinese. Oh. Uh, well played. the Americans continued their retreat, tried to use airstrikes to bomb the Chinese out of the hills, but it was to no avail. Now, in the middle of all this, right. British Prime Minister Clement Attlee right. declared that the British had no quarrel with the Chinese.
1: It's <laughs> like, Cam, come and help me kick this guy's ass. And you're like, okay, and you walk over there and right before we start fighting, first of all, I want to let everybody know. I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm just here to pick up Ray's carcass after y'all are done. Thank you for shopping. And you just sit back and watch me get my ass kicked. I mean, what, I guess, what the fuck is Adley doing? He's not being a very good ally in this with this statement.
0: Well, he has commercial interests with China. And they were like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. We, we, we agreed to push the North Koreans back to the 38th parallel. Right. We never agreed to go into war with China. Are you fucking kidding me? We got no issue with (laughs) China. it wasn't
1: in the. Yeah, no. I didn't shake on that. Now, so, yeah.
0: Clement Attlee and Mao Zedong actually had a history. I dug this up in my research this week. In 1937, Mao had sent Clement Attlee a letter asking for his support against the Japanese. Now, at the time, Attlee you know, he was a Labour leader, leader right. of the Labour Party, but he was in the political wilderness when he got elected. During no, just before the Pots, during the Pots, just before the Potsdam Conference, yeah, kind right. of yeah, right a couple of days into the Potsdam yeah. Conference, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: so late nineteen forty five.
1: Yeah, they had to wait for all the votes from the troops around the world to to come in and be counted. So yeah, it took a while.
0: So 8 years before that right. Mao Tse-tung had sent him a letter asking him to help out uh, wasn't anything Mao uh, Atlee could do at the sure. time but of course by the time Mao won the civil war uh, Atlee was prime minister yeah,
1: they both did well
0: and yeah and Mao uh, knew that was going to happen back in 1937 because The doctor uh, told him when they were setting up the CCP together. Right. uh, The doctor said, by the way, get close to Clement Attlee. This letter, by the way, from Mao to Attlee was sold at auction in 2015. I've got a copy of it. I've got a photograph of it in front of me. I'll read to you. Nice. November 1st, 1937, to Major Clement Attlee, leader of the Labor Party, United Kingdom, dear sir, in the name of the Communist Party of China and on behalf of the whole Chinese people now engaged in a life and death struggle against the invaders of their country, we should like to send a message of goodwill. I do all my other letters in accents. Should I do this one in a Mao accent? Oh. Ah, dear, dear sir. So uncomfortable. In name of Communist Party of China and on behalf of whole Chinese people. Is that No. No. Okay, I won't do that. Please. We should like to send a message of goodwill to the people of Great Britain and to the British Labour Party, of which you are leader. And we would ask you especially to lend the support of your party to any measures of practical assistance to China that may be organised in Great Britain. We believe that the British people, when they know the truth about Japanese aggression in China, will rise in support of the Chinese people, will organise practical assistance on their behalf and will compel their own government to adopt a policy of active resistance to a danger that ultimately threatens them no less than ourselves. Long live the peace front of the democratic nations against fascism and imperialist war. Yours very sincerely, Mao Zedong. Now, of course, Aww. 1937, World War One yeah. hasn't started. Yeah. Um, uh, who is British Prime Minister in 1937? It's
1: either. Is it Chamberlain? Is it Chamberlain? Neville Chamberlain? Before Chamberlain? I just I watched a it movie. Who
0: be was the It's a bald one. No, Chamberlain, May nineteen thirty-seven. He got in. So yeah, it okay. would have been Chamberlain. Okay. Yeah. This Can- is uh, November.
1: Yeah. So it's Chamberlain. At the risk of being completely racist, which I know you love, um, the idea of you reading that letter in a way over the top Chinese accent gives me Fu Manchu
0: to, accent. Fu Manchu
1: <laughs> accent, and you have to. We have to know. TikTok to get this, but that gives me mm. emotional damage. So for those of you who are yeah, on TikTok, you will love that, that a lot. Everybody else? You have By left. the way, uh,
0: yeah. my bad accents are available for uh, outgoing <laughs> voicemail messages. Uh, if you want me to record <laughs> one, Churchill, Mao Tse Tung, Stalin, you know, General, right. uh, 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 what's his the face, hits. Dougie Mac, The greats. Yeah, just just uh, yeah. let me know. I can do it all. can even do yeah, them in yeah. Italian with an accent if you want. Yeah.
1: Oh, now you're just showing off, but he charges more. Where were so um, least said they've
0: got no, no issue with the Chinese. British Defence Minister Emmanuel Shinwell at the time also publicly said that the whole mess in North Korea might never have happened if MacArthur had stuck to his original orders and not gone beyond the 38th parallel.
1: Oh. So the British
0: are sticking the boot in. You gotta imagine Dougie's not very happy about that. On the first yeah. of December, the Soviet ambassador to the United Nations, Yakov Malik, right, vetoed an attempt, an attempt by the UNSC to pass a resolution that China had to withdraw from North Korea. And then, as you hinted earlier on, maybe in the last episode, as you like to jump ahead, sure. the UN and ROK forces completely abandoned Pyongyang on the fifth of December, yeah. torching their supply dumps as yes. they left behind, leaving behind a huge amount Millions. of uh, yeah. equipment Millions and of uh, stores, etc.
1: Yeah, stores, equipment, food, get the city running again, all the stuff. Because Ri was going around saying, oh, Pyongyang is back on his feet. Yay, because we did it. No, uh, the Americans wrecked that place as well as they could given the time that they had. So all for naught.
0: They wrecked it like you wrecked my butthole in Vegas. <laughs> Mac. Dougie Mac decided yeah. that a good idea would be another push oh, good. north. Eh, it worked so well last time right. uh, that we'll do it again. Especially we have to go and take the Chosin Reservoir. Right. Um, now, just a reminder, we have mentioned this earlier on, Chosin Reservoir is a man-made lake mm-hmm. located in the uh, north part of uh, Korea. Right. The name Chosin is actually the Japanese name for what the Koreans called Shangjin. Right. And But all the UN and the US had outdated Japanese maps, so they so, still had Japanese names on it and just became known that. as the Chosin Re- Reservoir. Right. If Chongjin sounds familiar... It's because the battle at Lake Chongjin, we mentioned in an earlier episode, is the biggest movie in the world, Uh, China's movie, talking about the battle that we're now about to begin talking about. Yes. Um, And I still haven't been able to watch it. I tried again over this week to find a copy of it Mm -hmm. through fair and foul means to watch it. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. Cannot watch that. Cannot watch Dune. Dune. Oh. To save myself. Um,
1: Someone's got to hook us up.
0: Uh, anyway. Don't you know anybody uh, in China? The, the, the yeah. battle is going to take place mostly on the road. Mm. Oh, yeah, I should, I should know people in China. If you're listening to this and you're in China, uh, yeah. send me a copy of the Battle of Lake Chongqing.
1: Chop, mm. chop. Um, the- <laughs> was that wrong?
0: So you speaking Cantonese? No. Don't do no. that.
1: Chop, it's chop. us I have it where I used to work. Uh, I, I did not mean to. You'll know when I mean to be racist. That was unintentional. Please. Please continue.
0: So there's a road that connects the port of Hungnam, mm-hmm. which is on the east coast of Korea, to the Chosin Reservoir. Right. Chosin Reservoir is about halfway between Hungnam and the Manchurian border if you yeah. don't have a map in front of you. Um, the this road is the only road of retreat for the US-UN forces when mm-hmm. they go up to the Chosin Reservoir. And we're going to be talking about a lot of, like, towns along this road, Yudami-ni, ni Hagaru-ri. Right. Koto-ri, these are the roads where this battle took place, the mm-hmm. Battle of uh, Chosin Reservoir, a very famous battle uh, in the Korean War. Yeah. The whole area around here is not very well populated. I mean, Basically, Chosin Reservoir was built to have a hydroelectric dam, as we mentioned in the last episode, provide a lot of power, both to North Korea and also to Manchuria, very important mm-hmm. to the Chinese as well as to the North Koreans, which is why Dougie Mac wanted to bomb the fuck out of it. Right. Um this oh. road also cuts through a lot of really hilly terrain, it's very rough, yep. harsh even in the best of times and this is a really really rough winter. It has huge peaks, the Funchalin pass, the Toktong pass. They overlook the entire length of the road. Now, if I've learned anything from our military podcasts over the years, Ray, is uh when you're evacuating
1: yeah, you don't yeah. want
0: to be evacuating down a road that runs between mountains uh, no, through you know, no. valleys.
1: And there's a bunch of snow yeah. all over the place. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the roads are very narrow. Yes, yeah, very yes.
0: narrow roads covered yes. in snow with mountains either side of it, not, right. uh, not what you want for your retreat and- path.
1: Right. And you mentioned earlier that the Americans had old Japanese maps. Well, the Chi- the uh, North Korean and the Chinese communists had old maps too, but the Chinese troops also have locals, local guides with them. And uh, so they're getting detailed information about the local area. And you're right. I mean, you've got one major road. It's got mountains on either side. It's bad weather. The Americans have to keep a certain amount of men there just to keep that route open. And now we're going to go advance to the north. I mean, this is just the perfect storm, uh, if everything doesn't go right and you have to retreat, it's going to be a bloodbath. But again, M- M- MacArthur's probably thinking, I got this. Everything's going to be fine because no one defies my will and now it's time to move out. Uh, the Eighth Army and X-Force are moving out. Did I say
0: X-Force? On the 14th of November. Or x true x Corps? you mean. X-core, x Corps? It, it was Deadpool. X-core. It
1: was Deadpool that called it X-Force. X-Force. And <laughs> X-Force. I apologize for that.
0: On the 14th of November, 1950, a cold front came down from Siberia that hit the Chosin Reservoir. (gasps) Temperatures dropped to minus 36 degrees Fahrenheit, which is minus 38 degrees Celsius. Now, I know it gets cold in your part of the world. Does it get
1: that cold? Rarely does it get – you have to have several factors come together for us to get below zero, uh, but it does normally happen at least – once or twice uh, in the winter. Uh, we actually, last. you probably heard about this last week, we had a major storm. Hell, the entire fucking South had a major storm. Uh, I still got trees down in my yard. I'm still waiting for someone to clean that up. But it got down to like 18, and then there's the wind chill. But only, only occasionally does it get that. Below. And when it does, you just stop living life. You stay wrapped up on the couch with hot cocoa or whiskey or both, and you just fucking wait it out. That's all you can do. That's all this hero does.
0: I have been in upstate New York when Mm. it was minus 20 Mm -mm. degrees Celsius. Right. Um, Just cold. I think that's probably the coldest I've been. Really, really cold. But minus 38, I can't even. And and, imagine marching through minus 38 degrees
1: carrying um
0: stuff. the road
1: yeah.
0: it, well the roads were co- obviously completely covered in ice and snow it was so cold that weapons malfunctioned yeah. medical supplies froze morphine syrettes had to be defrosted in a medic's mouth before they could be <laughs> injected and that's, you know there's nothing more hot. hygienic than uh <laughs> putting it in your mouth before you inject it that's the
1: standard go-to into somebody. For me. yeah yeah standard yeah. Frozen
0: blood plasma right. uh, was obviously useless uh, when they were trying to, you know, yeah. inject it into people. Even trying to cut off clothing to deal with wounds <laughs> right. or gangrene or phosphorite was important. Was impossible because the clothes had frozen solid. Step. Batteries yes. that they used for the jeeps and the radios didn't work properly. They froze. The lubrication in the guns turned to jelly. Jesus, so they were useless.
1: Lube is important. The springs
0: on the the spring. <laughs> Sorry, true that. True that. That's no, very true. Springs on the firing pins. <laughs> Right. wouldn't strike hard enough to fire around just, or would jam. Just throw the so, bullets So like at the them. practicalities, yeah, and MacArthur's yeah. like, don't worry about it, just believe in charge, it. strong enough. Charge! Well, and it you, will all be fine.
1: You've done Napoleon and you've done other military battles. I mean, most, most armies take a fucking break during the winter, and here's MacArthur going, no, yeah, it's really bad. There's snow and my guys don't have winter clothes, but we kind of have no choice. We have to hit them now. So I think in some ways MacArthur didn't have a choice, If he was going to attack at all, it had to be now. But, yeah, couldn't be worse timing.
0: Now, as you said uh, at some point earlier, um, when he sent them uh, back up to the Yalu in late November, Dougie deliberately separated the 8th Army under Walker and X Corps under General Armand, his uh, chief of staff. Now, X Corps had two divisions, 7th and 1st Marine. Mm -hmm. They landed on the East Coast. And moved north, there were eight uh, they were miles away, sorry, from the right. Eighth Army. Yes. The Marines were being commanded by General O.P. Smith. Oh, now sorry. Walker and Armand didn't get along, right? Armand and Smith didn't get along. Well, this is great.
1: MacArthur and the Joint Chiefs didn't get along. <laughs> you know who got along? Every fucking Chinese soldier on the other side of the line. They got along.
0: Well, Well, yes. I mean, we know know that some of the general Chinese generals like Lin Pao didn't really agree with uh, Peng and in terms of strategy. But once Mao made a decision, everyone got in line. And
1: the other part of it is, again, we're just trying to keep the Americans out of China or getting close to the Chinese border. But the point is, they had a common goal that would cut through almost anything.
0: On the 25th of November, two of Smith's uh, regiments, the 5th and 7th Marines, reached Yudamni near the western side of the Chosin Reservoir. Mm-hmm. Uh, oops. And they were supposed to link up with the 8th Army. Oh, good. At the, at, at the time, the US's thinking was that there was about 100,000 Chinese in Korea in total. Right when, in fact, there were 150,000 Chinese in front of X
1: Corps alone. Jesus Christ. So I'm sorry, I just have to do this real quick. MacArthur is making a huge mistake. He has two commanders with two forces, and they're not really working with, two, with each other in a united front, and they don't get along as far as personality. And General Almond. Is pretty much a glory hound, and, and just as yelling, "Go, go, go! Attack, fight, fight, fight!" Because I want to be the next American hero. So again, just the recipe for disaster is is right here. It's, it's all right here in the in, in this in this moment. It's insane.
0: He didn't just want to be a hero. He wanted to be the greatest American, American hero. hero. He was yes. singing.
1: Believe it or
0: not, I'm walking on air, I never thought I would feel so free, flying away on a wing and a prayer, who could it be, believe it or not, it's just me, bum, 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 bum,
1: and Anyone who wasn't was alive
0: in 1980 will have no idea 80, what we're talking about.
1: But, 80s um, hot. She was 80s hot. But anyway. Yeah. I, oh,
0: I, 80s hot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Where were we? Um,
0: yeah, Sorry. Uh, what was uh, the guy who was his uh, controller? Oh, I, can't remember oh, that I love that guy. Name. I fucking love. Drake.
1: Yeah. I don't know his name. I don't know his name, but.
0: He was a great actor. He used to turn up and stuff all the time.
1: It, that would happen um, to me. Somebody would give me an all-powerful suit with no instructions or they would give me the instructions mm. and i fucking lose them. And then the first thing I'm going to mm. do is put the suit on, fly over to Australia, and get you to help me to work this shit out. You're going to yeah, be my controller.
0: We'd, we'd, we'd work it out. Work-
1: As the U.S. First Marines
0: were advancing yes. towards Chosin Reservoir, um, Marshal Peng... Right. Ordered the Ninth Army Group, uh, commanded by General Song Shilun, to leave Manchuria and destroy it. Oh. Now, General Song had 12 divisions in three armies, 150,000 soldiers.
1: That's a lot. That sounds like a lot. Yeah.
0: Mostly infantry with mortars and machine guns, not a lot of artillery because the Chinese lacked yeah. guns and shells and trucks. Yeah. And they were worried that there would be airstrikes on any columns coming down the road, so they were going uh, through, you know, mountain paths and stuff like that. And they weren't prepared for a winter war either, but Mao and Peng just decided that X Corps being there by themselves, far away from the rest of the Eighth Army, right. was just too good a target yeah. to
1: resist. Low no hanging fruit. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, getting back to Mao's basic philosophy, uh, best time to attack people is when they're moving, ambushes, right. night time, when they stop, we attack, when they retreat, we follow, etc.
1: So the cetera. Night- can I just do something real quick? And I apologize, because this is what drove me crazy when I was reading this section. During the Battle of Burma in World War II, the Japanese didn't rely on trucks or Jeeps or any other kind of vehicles. They loaded up their stuff on their backs like Marius's mules. Remember Marius, Gaius Marius comes in and he reforms the army. He's like, from now on, all you sons of bitches, you carry your own shit. We can move faster. We can move anywhere. We can cross mountains, whatever. So the Chinese are doing that as as well. And the British and the Americans and everyone else – who are reliant on the jeeps have to pretty much stick to the roads. So the Japanese were able to walk literally circles around them, and the Chinese learned that from here. So the Chinese literally have these little what do you call it the 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 T ramp or whatever that you put a little thing on your back. You can set your equipment on there, almost like a Roman soldier back from back in the old days, and they could go over mountains, they could cross rivers, they could they could do anything. And the Americans and the British are pretty much just stuck. To the roads in North Korea, and the roads, as you said earlier aren 't that great, especially this time of the year so So the Chinese have got tons of options about being able to sneak up on the Americans who are and the Chinese are worried about air cover, but you 've got bad weather uh, and and you 're worried about air attacks but I can sneak up on you if you are huddled down in a tent, trying to get away from the cold and the snow so again it 's just a perfect storm, but the Chinese are being practical. They're being fierce. They're being determined, and they're asking themselves what works and fuck everything else. And the Americans are being completely reliant on technology, and it's about to bite them in the ass in a major way. I just, I just couldn't get over the fact that they hadn't learned from World War II, and if they, if they had to walk there, forget it.
0: And you don't mean biting them on the ass in a good
1: way? No, no, not, not in a uh, like move the the leather chaps to the side and bite the ass. No.
0: That way.
1: No, no. Yeah. I'm glad you cleared that up.
0: So the Ninth Army group, the Chinese Ninth Army, moved into positions either mm-hmm. side of the Chongjin, a.k.a. Chosin Reservoir, right. with five oh. divisions, and it also moved three more divisions south to cut <laughs> off the road oh, down shit. to Hengang. Yeah, And on They're the not- 27th of November, the Chinese attacked the Marines, right mm-hmm. along their line, from right up the top, right down the south, so they yeah. couldn't even run away. And this is the battle, the beginning of the Battle of Lake Chongjin. Right. The biggest movie in the world. Um, for 30 miles down their supply chain, the Americans were being attacked simultaneously.
1: Yes. Yeah, there were – I just have to say real quick, uh, uh, out of two of the regiments, the 5th and the 7th regiment, literally every unit within those two regiments called their superiors and said, hey, we're under attack. So the officers not only know that there's something massive going on, some of the officers, like we were saying earlier with um, – earlier in the show, I think, actually just froze up and they, and they didn't know what to do. And like you were saying, because of the cold, the radios and the communications are out. So suddenly they're completely overwhelmed. They've got a very long, treacherous retreat to take. Not that most of them know exactly what's going on. And the Chinese are already along the, re- the retreat route. So this is not just a little slap like before. This is the Chinese going, we're going to properly... Help you leave this area because you're you know you're threatening uh, southern China. So this is this is massive, and it's just wave after wave. That first night of smaller Chinese units just coming in, using the confusion, using the weather, the forest, whatever, and they're just getting in there and they're just attacking Americans when they least expect it, when they're over a stove or when they're having a meal or in the latrine. But they just keep. D- Coming in waves, and the Americans have no idea what to do about it because this is not the normal standard lineup and fight each other kind of fighting. They're, they're all just confused.
0: Well, the Chinese inflict casualties on the Marines, but the Marines, to their credit, don't yep. bug out. Right. They hold their ground. Smith, O.P. Smith wanted to withdraw, but Armin insisted that he attack Chozin. Yeah. He believed that the Chinese were planning on destroying the dams. Now, I thought MacArthur wanted to destroy the dams, yeah. but now they're trying to protect the dams <laughs> because they think the Chinese is going to destroy the dams. It's all right if we destroy the dams. Yeah, yeah, We're going to destroy yeah. them first. We're yeah. going to stop you from destroying them. Right. If anyone's going to destroy this oh, dam, it's going to be us. It's going to be
1: an American We're bomb. We're not going to let you destroy the dam. Yeah, 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 American, American bombs. we <laughs> an American flag on the, on the <laughs> rubble. Or well, what's left of it, bitch. Yeah. No, I don't and, want to – I don't want to jump too far, but I do want to say this because I want to stress something. So you you said November 27th, the Americans start moving out and hell, the the Chinese start that same day. This is what I found amazing. After the first night of fighting, like I said, the Chinese came wave after wave after wave and the Americans had no idea what to do, but they didn't run. They just lost a lot of their men. When the sun rises the next day, and I won't go past this part, but, uh, but I think it's important to understand when the sun rises the next day, the Americans still hold three positions. Uh, they hold the furthest north at the Udami. Uh, Yudam-ni, which is to the southwest of the reservoir. They're at Hagaru, which is at the base of the reservoir. And they're at the uh, Koturi, which is about 10 miles south of that. The point is, the Americans, even after being slapped around all night long, they're in three isolated locations. They're undermanned, they're running out of equipment, and they can't get to each other. And there are tons more Chinese soldiers around them than they currently have. So, as bad as the first night of fighting was, it could easily get worse because now the chinese have set themselves up where they could if they really really wanted to and they were willing to lose a lot of men they could wipe out all three of these positions the americans have really gotten themselves uh into a b- untenable position where they can't back out fast enough but that's exactly what they need to do or there's going to be only more chinese coming at them as the days go by it's just militarily it's just a very unsound position to be in
0: and it takes Smith several days to get uh, Armand's permission. Yes. to withdraw. Yes, it's insane. So they're they're stuck there. But during those couple of days, he actually gets reinforced right. by two hundred and thirty five Royal Marines, and his orders are to put a garrison at the reservoirs, you know, to protect right. the reservoir. So he. Sends some men up there on the 29th of November, the Royal Marines and the U.S. Marines and some infantry, about 900-odd men and 140-odd vehicles all Mm. up, head north under the command of Lieutenant Colonel Drysdale, a.k.a. Task Force Drysdale. Nice. I like that. They go up to try and defend the Chongjin Reservoir and they are nearly completely wiped out yeah but we'll have to tell that story next time because we've run out of time but let me finish with this yeah napoleon once said i have so often in my life been mistaken that i no longer blush for it (laughs) again as i said earlier psychopaths (laughs) narcissists don't tend to admit mistakes can't won't napoleon did yeah but macarthur wouldn't um He even refused to acknowledge that losing 300 square miles of hard-won territory was a calamity and refused to accept that his home-by-Christmas offensive had been a bad idea. As far as I can see, no strategic or tactical mistakes were made of a basic proportion. The disposition of the United Nations troops, in my opinion, could not have been improved had I known... The Chinese were going to attack. Bullshit. So yeah. uh, he said it wasn't an offensive at all. It was a reconnaissance in force, as we said earlier. It was just I just deployed the whole army in reconnaissance. Yeah. It wasn't an attack. No. Don't know what they're getting so upset about. No. Um, he said that he he said that the enemy, the Chinese, had hoped to quietly assemble a massive force till spring and destroy us with one mighty blow. Had I not acted when I did we would have been a sitting duck doomed to eventual annihilation.
1: Bullshit. This is the same MacArthur that said before Pearl Harbor and the Philippines were attacked is like, yeah, no, they're going to come, but they're going to wait until April in spring. They came in December. So that, that's just another MacArthurism where he's just ca- trying to cover his ass. That's bullshit. Hey, trivia. I, I don't want to end on a low note, but I have to drysdale. Isn't that the guy that was the banker for the Beverly Hillbillies, Mr. Drysdale?
0: Yeah, never watched the Beverly Hillbillies, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. It wasn't really a well, thing you here. To
1: do yourself a uh, favor. Go get all of the DVDs, Blu-ray, right now, and just spend the whole night watching Beverly Hillbillies. If not just for the young hot thing who wore half shirts and cut off jeans. I don't know her name. It's not important. I'm finished.
0: Uh, well, I, I will tell you a bit about Drysdale, though. The, this Drysdale, he was—he was, um, le, uh, he was uh, British uh, military officer, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Douglas B. Drysdale, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's
1: all I've got of him. I think he died. But you just, yeah, um, yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, most of them died. Mm. So,
0: uh, did he, though? Hold on. Let me see. Let me oh, see. Did he survive? We'll get into it next time. I didn't, right. I didn't prepare for it because we're going to get into it next time. That's fine. As for Drysdale, the real Drysdale, um, mm-hmm. I don't even know what happened to him because right. we haven't done that bit yet. We'll get to that next time.